It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside the Birds is back. And wow, fellas, I mean, I can't believe it. Honestly, I really did not think. I mean, who would have thought five, six weeks ago, after a 48-7 loss that the Eagles suffered to the New Orleans Saints, that we would be sitting here today talking about not just the fact that the Eagles are going to play the Saints again, but back in the NFC Divisional round, a win away from reappearing in the conference championship, Nick Foles' magic, all of that amazing stuff. I mean, who really could have predicted that we were going to be here. And I know that the conversation is starting to shift. You know, it's Wednesday here at WIP. Adam Kaplan, Billy Osborne, Jeff Mosier here as we do Inside the Birds every week, presented by, of course, Defend Your Head, makers of ProTech soft shell helmet technology. But I know that the conversation very quickly in this city moves on. Now it's about New Orleans, about the Superdome, but I can't, even on Wednesday, I cannot get over the sequence of events that happened Sunday night that have landed the Eagles back in the divisional round. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like, what are the chances? First of all, Jeff, I would go back. Uh, we we did a preview of that game, the first New Orleans game. It was in Week 11. And I said the Eagles are going to get blown out. I think I might have had it like 34-17. It wound up being, what, 48-7? Yes. I just didn't think, based on where they were, based on their cornerback situation, which is, by the way, not any better than it was before, from a talent standpoint. From a, from a performance standpoint, it's been much better. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. But I just didn't, I just didn't think it could happen. I... I And I've said this a lot about Doug Peterson. I'm talking to people in the building who are there every day. He never doesn't believe that they could do it. And whether it's blind loyalty or blind belief, whatever it is, he's the guy who sets the table. And I'm not so sure he'd be a great head coach somewhere else, but let me tell you something. There's no better head coach for this football team than this guy. His ability to get the players to buy in, his coaches to understand, to take his message to the players in their meetings during the week, the positional meetings and so forth, it's just remarkable to me, and it starts with a head coach. Uh, this is this is the coach I think we all probably didn't understand how good he was. And I don't know that the Eagles brass upstairs knew how good he was when they hired him. Yeah, This guy's a special coach. He's going to wind up being better than Dick Vermeil, which is saying a lot. I really believe that, even if he doesn't win another Super Bowl. Is he going to be better than Andy? Well, total wins. Andy now has passed Chuck Knoll, Jeff. That's I actually know. a good question. But I from know. an Eagles standpoint, probably will. Wow, it's amazing to think. And think about this, Oz, and it's not just – Doug Peterson, right? Jim Schwartz, who we've, I think we've all defended in a big picture way, meaning the guy is competent, the guy is capable, but there were certain times during the year that we were really confused about why he would, pl- you know, not protect his corners or why he wouldn't blitz just a little bit more. He's, 
pushed the right buttons, man. I mean, I, what, what can we say? I mean, he's done an excellent job. I have zero criticisms of him. Yeah. I know some people still want more blitzing at times, but I, I, he's been excellent. Well, I think sometimes uh, coaches are so set in their ways and they have a system and this is what they're going to do. And, you know, by doggone it, I don't care what anybody says, you know, this is the way, this is the way for success. And I think you got to give Doug and Coach Schwartz a, a lot of credit because as the season went on, they adjusted based on their personnel, based on the circumstances of the season. And I think uh, they were even, you know, they, they even obviously adjusted at halftime of last week's game. But that's the thing I give, I give the most credit to, that they really realized that if, if, you know, this is not about who's right or wrong, it's about winning. And they went out and said, you know, and also sometimes some of these guys are new and they're trying to plug and play in the system and they're not, you know, some of the guys were on the practice squad. They didn't really know if they can play. And look, you know, even Maddox, oh, he plays corner. Well, now he's going to play safety. He's going to play nickel. He's going to play dime. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to get a feel for guys. And as the season wore on, I think they both did a really good job of scheming each week. uh, Jeff and and Bill, Bill, you just brought up a point about figuring it out. Mid-season, this football team, it wasn't disarray, but I think your point is well taken. The coaches are trying to figure out all these new players. How about Jim Schwartz's line? He never heard of, he never heard of Craven LeBlanc. Think about that. I know. And Jim Schwartz is a pretty sharp guy. Yeah. He never heard of the guy. By the way, he was the Bears' nickel corner two years ago. I talked to the Bears about it. They said probably about three quarters of, of sixteen he was, and now he's the Eagles' nickel corner. And he's doing a good job. And the, and the D quarter never heard of him. I yeah. mean, that, that's crazy, The Jeff. beauty of Clervon LeBlanc is not only has he played really well this year, but when you sign to a two-year deal, you're under contract next year at really cheap money. He's like $720,000. By the way. And he really should be getting a chance to compete for that nickel he, spot next Well, he year. was he was claimed off waivers, I believe. Right, right. But did, That's but, right. You claim a rookie but, guy, an undrafted rookie's contract. But in typical Howie Roseman fashion, I know talking to people who work for him, he always likes to get guys into your deals. Mm-hmm. These street free agents, undrafted free agents, whatever it is, guys to evaluate them for the, they evaluate them, and then if they do well, they've got them cheap for the next season. It's actually really smart management. So it's Chris Long right right now. That's why yeah. have, Chris Long had a great year. If he was a free agent, if he had signed a one year deal and went into free agency before this year, the way he played last year, he would have gotten a pretty sick. Not you know not a five year deal or anything, mm-hmm. but he would have gotten a nice two year deal with yeah. a lot of money. Huh. Well, he came back and he's cost controlled for the Eagles. And one more thing I would say about this, and before we get into the game here, if you look at their personnel decisions in the beginning of the season, mid season, we're like ah, maybe some of these aren't going to work out. They seem to be almost all working out right now. I I, I went through the roster last night. and I'm like, I'm really struggling to find anything that didn't work. It 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 seemed like you know, and and the young kids are playing. We're so Douglas. Who we weren't sure about was probably not going to play very much this season. Now he's been pressed into service. If you just go through all the transactions, all the free agents, Michael Bennett, by the way, is working out real well. Okay, real well at 33 years old. One of old. the best trades Howie's ever pulled off. Up there with D'Amico Ryan's. That big, really? It, oh my once, God. He's been absolutely. really good. But he's been really. the second best lineman. Wow. Well, you that's pretty strong to say that. Tell me a better okay, one. Okay, D'Amico okay. was a good trade. Oh, hell yeah. I'm talking yeah. about maybe not, not trading for value. Like, sure. obviously, trading Kevin Cobb for Dominic rogers Camardi in a second-round pick was a pretty good trade yeah. from a value standpoint, right? But for a player that Howie brought in, because Jason Peters was back in the Tom Heckert day, I'm trying to think of a better trade Howie has made. Than, my, than getting Michael Michael ben, they don't have Michael Bennett they're not here it's that's the plain truth it's a great way to say it I I, I can't argue against that D'Amico was a really good one he was they gave up nothing tr- for him before he got hurt yeah right. he, he was good and he's a smart guy a good leader but the best probably signing I wouldn't say trade because they signed as a free agent mm-hmm. certainly the last six years has been Malcolm Jenkins certainly in fact I would I, say 
it's even though it's you're right. If you look at Howie's track record in free agency, the first few years, you know, he had a lot of he had some decent ones, but he also missed. You know, mm-hmm. how the, the Namdi stuff, the Dream Team stuff really hurt him. But take it a step further than Malcolm, because Malcolm, you're right, is great. But Rodney McLeod was a great signing. Brandon Brooks has made two Pro Bowls in three years here. That might that be, was a huge God, signing. I don't know if look the Bears told me they graded him as their Eagles' best lineman. Wow. Okay. Okay, that's a pretty interesting. So right now. That's why I brought it up. That's why they're here. Right. And good for Jim Schwartz to mention for the – and I don't remember another one of their coordinators doing this in the last couple of years. He actually gave the front office credit. Because mm-hmm. you look at the disarray that the, their top three corners are out. You cannot win the National Football League. You just can't. That's why coaching matters. I just wrote last night, guys, on my Patreon page. And, and Billy, you can speak to this because it's kind of, you, you were a scout with the Chiefs. There are so many um, nameless, faceless guys who are so important – into how a team comes together, both in the offseason and during the season, right? You know, guys like Trayvon Hester, LeBlanc, whoever thought it was a good idea to draft Devontae Maddox and said, hey, don't worry about the size, he can play. Those guys, you know, you don't know who they are. The scouting director, you know, guys like Ian Cunningham and Anthony Patch, you don't know who Dwayne Joseph is. And and people know who Joe Douglas is, but only there are a lot of people who don't, right? They know the name, but they don't know the face. Those guys were so important in bringing in and and smart of them, they use your connections. You know, Joe Douglas came here from Chicago. LeBlanc started off in Chicago. Yep. Dwayne Joseph is their personnel player director, came from Chicago Bears. So you 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 have to use every resource you have right in yeah. the middle of the year to scout these guys. Yeah, and if you go back and you check some of our earlier podcasts, uh, Adam, you and I were talking about it. We were talking about a player that they picked up, and we talked to all three of us said, you know what, somebody. Had that guy, either they recruited him out of high school, or mm-hmm. they had him in college, or they were trying to draft him where they were at a pro team, and they knew about this guy. And that's why they brought him into camp. I mean, there's all these things that you use as, you know, when you're trying to get an edge in the National Football League, because it's a copycat league, let's face it. You're always trying to get an edge each week, each season, and a lot of it has to do with, hey, personnel. What do we think about this guy? And some guys, guys rated, you know, some guys are, everybody's got the same grade on, but there's other guys that think, you know, I know this guy. You can even go in other sports. Look at Brett Brown. Why did they pick the, the last pick of this last week's, two years ago's draft? Mm-hmm. They got Simmons because he knew him from when he was a kid. Right, right. He knew his dad, right. the Australian and connection. So he felt comfortable drafting, and that was why. So there's all these things that go back. There's all these stories, and there's no difference. And, and look, uh, I know we need to transition here, but I'll bring up, you mentioned the Sixers. This is my one Sixers point. Landry Shamet, who had not, eight, eight three-pointers last night, eight or nine, whatever it was. Scott, I think it was a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. If that's a guy you got to get right because of the way the league is now with three-point shooting, you look at the Eagles roster. There are, there are guys on the roster, Trey Sullivan's another guy. Guy yep. you, you pick off of the street. I met Trey at a charity event. I, I mean, smart kid, unbelievably smart. And I was like, "Wow!" I mean, I wasn't that mature at his age. <laughs> neither were you. Neither were you. I'm still not. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> but the bottom line is, evaluation matters. Coaching matters. It's all working right now, and it's the one thing we always have to never count this team out. And that's why in this game, despite the problems at corner and who they're going up against, Sean Payton is the NFL's best play caller. I put Doug in the top three or four. He's a special play caller. I cannot wait to see what Jim Schwartz does on Sunday. And, you know, and speaking of just uh, one more, you know, believe it or not, type of a deal. I mean, you can even go back to the special teams coach in this last game for the Eagles. Right? He decides who's going to be out there in personnel. Now, the guy who got his fingertip 
on the ball. Trayvon Hester. Mm-hmm. Right. Think about that. Yep. Came, right? Oakland released him. Exactly. So you think about the fact that we they picked him up, and then he thought, okay, here's where he's going to be on my punt or my uh, kickoff or my field goal block, and I'm going to put him here, and this is the block we're going to call. There's four or five different blocks in a game. You can decide who to bring, when to bring him, how to, how to collapse the middle. But to have him in there to do that, just those little things, and it gets the fingertip, now we're talking about the Dave Phipp. Yeah, Dave Phipp does a great job. Right. And now, yeah. now we'll tell and you. By the way, who would have thought that the guy that John Gruden released earlier this year that was going to have the biggest impact exactly. of the game was that. Hester and not, not Khalil not Mack. Not Khalil Mack. <laughs> and, and Hester, the Bears told me he's around 6'2-ish. Mm-hmm. The ball was kicked a little bit lower. But nevertheless, just think about it. If Hester's not there... We're not talking about deals right now. Go and play the Saints. I'm sure of it. Unbelievable. You know, you know what we're talking about? What are the chances? Of exactly. This? You know what we're talking about? We're talking about, I know it. We're talking about the fact that Nick threw two interceptions, and would we have won if, if, they, if Carson was activated and he played we, the game? We? Do you, you play for the Eagles? No. You know, we, I, I, I meant, I, no, I meant we, I guess, <laughs> Eagle, Eagle Nation, because that's where we would have focused on the fact that we didn't win, and would they have, a, you know, to, it's crazy. To, to emphasize your point, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet the other night, but you I looked this what up on name? Pro Rule <laughs> at Adam Kaplan NFL. Oh, wait, no, that's you. Oh, please, I'm at Jeff Bocher NFL, and followers. you're at Ozzy underscore football. I'm Kaplan NFL guy. I'm sorry, Kaplan NFL. Yeah, yeah there you go. So I was getting that confused with your uh, Bumble name. No, <laughs> What is Bumble? It's, a, is it's it? an internet tw- like dating server. You got to ask uh, you know, uh, some other people about You're that. not on that. Twi- that no, uh, no, I'm married, but there's yeah. Tinder, oh, there's are, Bumble. Okay. Tinder's uh, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, anyway, go ahead. What were you saying? So the Eagles became the first team, first team in NFL history to win a playoff game on the road in which they were minus two turnover and min- fewer than 100 yards. They basically did everything you could possibly do. Fewer than 100 yards. Rushing. rushing or rushing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They basically did everything you could possibly do to lose a playoff game. They always say you got to protect the ball, yep. you got to run efficiently, set up manageable third downs. No, nah, the Eagles like, nah, nah, none of that. We're going we're gonna to throw the ball into the opponent's hands. We're not going to run for crap, but we got Nick Foles. <laughs> we and, got a defense. And we're going to have you know numerous third and long situations and convert it. I mean, you're right, exactly. All the things that you, you, know, you talk about winning. Anomalies. Yeah. Anomalies. And they're, they're, there's a, that's mm-hmm. when you see the 99%. The 1% was the Eagles' victory. Look, I think the one thing, though, that did – that was fundamental and why we're talking about the Eagles not only winning Sunday in Chicago but why they've won six out of seven and why I believe and I I'm shocked by the a little bit by the Vegas score again uh, the Vegas line which is get the Eagles are getting eight right I believe this game win or lose is going to be a very tight game I think it's going to come down to a final type possession and the reason why I think the Eagles have every reason to believe that they can win the same way they've beaten the other double-digit win teams is they're doing two things that you have to do in the NFL to succeed, usually. One, you got to be able to block with five up front, and the offensive line is playing as well as any offensive line in football. And the second thing is you got to be able to hit home with four. And for most of the game, a little bit, you know, we've seen this them tire out a little bit in the fourth quarter, and we saw it again. For, for most of the game, Mitchell Trubisky was worried about Fletcher Cox and worried about Brandon Graham, so and worried about Nagy. Uh, uh, Michael Bennett. Yes, and so Matt was Matt Nagy, Nagy. Stupidly, the whole game plan was about it. Foolishly, he did not come out throwing. It's the same dumb pl- game plan that Sean McVay had. Mm-hmm. If you want to win, attack the corners, the game's over. He doesn't right. do that. When he did it, Eagles couldn't stop him. Right. The second half. Now, Trubisky sucked in the first half. He was awful. His accuracy was terrible. You're right about it, about him being scared. He kept turning his body for no reason. You know when Eli struggles, he turns his body in the face of pressure and the ball goes, who knows, yeah. pops up? 
I'm like, what is this guy doing? It's just bad football, and I give the Eagles credit. He's still a work in progress. He They've is. got a lot of work His to do. His numbers are inflated. He had that, what, six or seven touchdown game? Yeah, well, yeah. even this game, he had 300 yards, but what, how many, what, 150 came in the fourth quarter? Yeah, he I mean, didn't yeah. look like it, right. Yeah, they it's finally a, got a couple yeah, of double moves. He, in the first three quarters, he was throwing short and running for his life. But again, the Eagles made that happen. Yeah, the Eagles played a lot. They rolled their corners up. They didn't give a lot of the things on the flat. And what happened was when they caught him in man coverage in the second half, I mean, it was great. You saw how you know people went out there and they looked in the second half and they said, okay, here we're going to do our adjustments. Both teams scored on the first drive of the second half. And the Eagles did it the opposite way that they were running the ball and you know their possessions were in the first half. And so did the Bears. The Bears, instead of running those little tries to get the out routes, you see what they did? They knew Avante and the Eagles were jumping on the first move. Right. So they went to the double moves. And that's how they got down the field in the first drive of the second half. Give them credit because they saw what the Eagles were doing and they did a great job. The Eagles come out and instead of running the football, they start chucking it down the field. So uh, they did attack the Eagles finally in the secondary but it was a little bit too late because then there, you know, there was obviously the possession and the minutes were, were limited. All three of us know that during that fourth quarter, as they're figuring out, the Bears are figuring out that they can get Avante Maddox on double moves, right? That there are then a flurry of text messages exchanged between <laughs> Drew Brees and Sean Payton, right? About exactly what they're going to do from the O. Oh, and this is what, to Adam's point, they're not going to wait until the fourth quarter. Drew Brees and, and Sean Payton are going to wait in about 10 seconds before they throw the ball to Avante Maddox's side. You, Billy Osborne, were uh, a, not only a f- fellow Pitt Panther, but you were a broadcaster for their games, play-by-play, for over a decade. Yep. You watched this kid play in college. Every play. So you tell me. It's one thing to be able to make adjustments, right, and then try to clean up what you did the week before. It's another thing to have to do that when you're going to face one of the best quarterback, head coaching, strategy, strategists, or tacticians there ever ever been in this game. So Avante can improve, but he's still going to get attacked. There's no doubt. And you, and you have to understand down and distance. You have to under, understand the scheme. Like Avante can go on the first move if they're in cover two. And it's third and you know whatever, or it's first down. But when you're in those long yardage situations, there's no reason to do that. And also when you're in man coverage and it's single safety help over top, if the guy's going to do a double move on the inside, you can maybe go for it because that's where the path is and that's where your safety help is. Right. But on the outside breaking routes, you got to be careful because if you go for that move, which they did a couple times, and they go those wheel routes, you got nobody down the seam helping you at all. they got to come off the middle of the field. They just can't get there in time. I, I think this is what concerns me is that Ted Ginn is back, and he is their speed threat. And for a while there, when Ginn was out, Adam, the New Orleans offense was – you know, it was it was it started to regress after the the Eagles and the Falcons, right? Then they went and lost to the Cowboys, and then they they were averaging about I think I, I did it. It was about twenty four points a game over the last four games, not including the season finale. That's, They're down in production. That was down They're from like down. thirty seven yeah. that They're they were down. averaging, and I think missing Ted Ginn had a lot to do. It with did that. because they are real late at wide receiver. It's, it, it, what, what I find funny yeah. is anyone who follows the Temple program. Keith Kirkwood is a kid that people aren't even talking about. Yeah. They signed as an undrafted free agent. He started some games. Yeah. This is how bad it's been. Traquan Smith, other than a monster game he had against the Eagles, has done very little this season. Um, they have not got Austin a- Carr was catching yeah. touchdowns against I, the Austin Eagls. Carr. I'm thinking, wait, wasn't he? Didn't he play for didn't the, he play the NBA? Right. right. Yeah. Small yeah. <laughs> like who are these guys? Uh, uh, and uh, uh, the, the tight end. Um, Dan Arnold. I mean, the, the, all these undrafted free agents. Then they get Teddy Ginn back, right? Who had knee surgery. By the way, he was on the injury report week 17. I don't think he played. I'd have to look it up. But nevertheless, keep an eye on his knee. He's their one field stretcher because they've the got nothing. Right. But Sean Payton, guys, beat them by schematics. That's how he beat them and killed them the first game. And Jason Peters did say they haven't forgotten about them keeping the starters in. Or then the backup still trying to score. 
I don't know how much revenge means, you know, Jeff. I think it's interesting. I, I think, though, one thing we have to remember about that game is, while, yes, Sean Payton outschemed, I guess, Jim Schwartz in that regard, Carson turned the ball over three times. He gave them short fields with some really bad turnovers. And also, Jason Kelsey left that game very early, right? He left that game early, and then Wisniewski had to come in play center. I remember Billy and I were watching some time, and they were funneling a lot of their pressure inside. They were doing a lot of cross blitzes, Mike, uh, you know, linebacker blitzes to come up the middle. When you lose your center, you lose. Even though Wisniewski is, is an experienced guy, you're talking about the control, the command center of your entire offensive line. That's one of the most difficult positions to lose, and then be able, especially in the, the Superdome. It's loud. You're on your silent count. That's why I think that this game is going to be so much different as long as we don't see any crazy injuries or crazy turnovers. There's no doubt about it. And I think when you look at this week's game, you know, last, last time we thought I, – I thought that it was going to be a little different. He actually uh, – Co- Coach Schwartz actually went to a different approach. If you saw it, he went to – sometimes he went to a three-man rush and he dropped everybody in, in, in zone coverage because they were worried about what the ability of that Saints offense – and I get it. But I think the key this week is going to be you got to get you got to get Drew Brees off the mark. You cannot let him sit there. You got to bring pressure, and if you can bring pressure up early, the it's what the Cowboys do. You got to. The Cowboys are a team that doesn't blitz a lot too, and they have to. You got to knock him around, and I understand that you know you can do that in some ways. I mean, you're going to give up some of the rushing plays. I get it. And then when you get inside the twenty, you can tighten up. But you got to limit the big plays. Don't let him sit there and be able to pick you apart because the Eagles just did not get home, and I think they saw that they were going to pay for it. The Cowboys did a great job. They got him off his mark, and I think that's going to be the key. I know we're going to talk about that, and we haven't really you know, summed everything up yet, but as we're talking about it right now, we're talking about last time what they did, and if they're going to have the same type of you know, philosophy going, I think they're going to have a long afternoon. Well, that's probably the case. I would say that you think the Eagles will have a long afternoon. If they, if they decide to play more uh, passive and yeah. don't go after Drew Brees, I believe they're going to have a long afternoon because he'll hmm. just pick you apart. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And you know, I, th- I have a feeling front. Jim wanted to do that a little bit more. But if you remember, they lost Sidney Jones on the first drive, right? Yep, yep. Then they lost Avante. Avante hurt game. his knee and an ankle, and right. Douglas and then got hurt. Another Chand. I think one of the Sullivans, Chandon, I think got hurt in that game. Sidney Jones, yeah, hurt. They finished the game with Sullivan. And Devontae Bosby. Bosby, both are no longer with the football team. That's right. insane. The firm of LeBlanc, Bosby, yes. and yeah. Sullivan, yes. So right now, those kids have all got – the three guys are playing. The good thing is, for the last two months since that game, they've all got experience. They pro- played relatively well. I still argue that. I don't understand the play calling of these teams not going after them the first half. Mm-hmm. But that I was stunned when Sean McVay didn't do it. It's not going to happen in this game. They're going to have to be ready for it. I trust Schwartz. I really do. I've been a backer all, all year on our shows. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a game for the coaches. When I said Doug Peterson had to have the best game of his life coaching against the Patriots, he did. Schwartz does. I don't doubt that Doug and Mike Grow because they're 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 on their A game right now. They're really doing a good job. I think they listen to Bill. They must have listened to our podcast. Start window dressing. Start changing it up. It's not about running the ball. It's disguise. It's as you pointed out, Jeff. It's huddle, no huddle, rhythm, get Nick going. They did that. Now it's going to be on Jim, I think. I think this is a Jim Schwartz game. What do you guys think? Well, I I, I don't because Real, <laughs> I are think you it's insane? going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be – But how are you going to slow them down? Well, I guess uh, I think the Eagles can actually give up like 28 points and score 31 and then you, you come out of it saying, you know what, 
28 points. You held it. Like they, they still did make some defensive plays in the game, but I just see with the the way these offenses are right now, and I, I kind of put the Eagles offense in the same box as they were last year. I mean, they're they've got a lot of playmakers, and the way they're blocking it up right now, Nick's got time, and Nick is throwing with some unreal confidence. Like the ball he threw to Golden Tate, that was a 28 yard catch that was. But th- oh, there yeah. is th- you can't. How did he not get killed? That's that what. Play? He, oh a, how did not get? How did that not get picked off by three? It hung up in the air forever, and somehow landed in the hands of the shortest guy on the field, <laughs> who then hung on and pinballed off and made more yards out of it. When that happens, I say, you know what? I don't know anything about football anymore, and I'm just going with what the Eagles are yeah. doing. And how about the throw to Ertz in like uh, quadruple coverage? Oh my god! Over his head, underneath the line, or underneath the safety, before a corner, over top of a backer, right as he came. I mean, literally, there was no window to throw that football. No, imagine if you're Vic Fangio, you're like, my, I'm calling this thing perfectly. It, it was just, it was <laughs> unbelievable the way that they did it. And you know, you got to give a lot of props up front. And you know, one of the things that I saw, and you know, we talked about some. Some, how, how coaches change and how they adjust. We've seen the Eagles now do some things, both offensively and defensively. I, I tend to agree with Adam as far as this week's game, and, and it's funny because they've had turnovers, and that's been one of the keys, the defense. But if you look at what they did offensively over the last couple of weeks, I give them a lot of credit because they were kind of morphing. They're not just sticking with one thing. They're trying to figure it out, and a lot of it has to do with that up front. They're, they're, they're stable up there. They're giving them a, a lot of time. And they're being smart about their their routes and they're running the football when they have to. Think about this uh, this past game against the Bears. And I charted something. I said before that first down was a key. Right. Right. That was my thought because you got to stay out of third stay, long. Situation. You want to stay ahead of the sticks. Stay ahead of the sticks. Right. right. Get your keep your playbook wide open. When you get in third and long, it's tough. And why I also thought it was tough is because of the Bears front seven, especially that front four. Mm-hmm. And you said don't worry about it. And I said okay. <laughs> And you ended By the up way, being right. I said that, right? Yes, you did. I did. I'm giving you props. And not, well, you know, they did another great job up front. You got to give it to that offensive lineman, Johnson and Peters and everybody. They all did a tremendous job. But the Eagles, in the first half, they ran the ball 10 times and threw it three times. And in those 13 runs, out of 11 plays, they got .63 yards and one interception. This is mm. on first down. Point six point three six yards. Three yards and one interception on first down. And out of those. Out of those 11 plays, 10 of them were runs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you, they did get one first down. So if you factor in the one first down or two first downs in the first half, they got 54 total yards for, with 13 plays for a 4.1-yard average. Right. Both of those were pass plays. Okay. okay. So at halftime, it's only got three points. Mm-hmm. They're thinking, how are we going to do this? They don't have many yards. So what do they do? They completely flop it. And in those runs, they were seven of them out of those 10 runs were the – Underneath handoff, out of shotgun, mm-hmm. zone blocking, move the pile. Got right. nothing. All right? In the second half, they come out and they throw the ball. And they threw it seven straight times. And the one run that they threw it in at the end of the third quarter was out of eye. Mm-hmm. Not even out of shotgun. But the seven throws that they did in a row were all out of shotgun. How about that? It, they, they just so com- they just completely just, flip-flopped their... So their, do you think that was an intentional way of saying, we're going to do it one way ju- and, and devote to it hell or high water... Just so that we can set up doing it a different way in the second half and catch them off guard. No, I okay. think I think they they went into it with a philosophy, and uh-huh. here we are now. You know, so if they were down if they were down four touchdowns, they would have to do something different too. Well, of course, but if they were up four touchdowns, they would probably keep pounding it. Right, but they weren't, so they adjusted it. And and I think that Adam said it right in the beginning of the podcast that they have they won't be predictable. Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to be less predictable, but they also knew they had to move the sticks, and they were trying to get you know do something, and it was having an, an effect. And you give them credit, and at the end of the game. They ran 
uh, uh, 28 plays for 126 yards, but you're on first down now for a four and a half yard average, which is pretty good. Yeah. But 22 of those 28 plays went for 33 yards for a one yard average, 1.5 yard average. So those, see, that's another thing that they did, that when you look at trying to win a road playoff game against a good team, yep. everybody say, "Hey, you got to be really good on first down," and they were. They were awful. They're on the first down. They were literally at third and six yeah. and seven and eight all game, and there's Foles just chucking it up well, and complete. Uh, and yeah. there's Alshon Jeffrey grabbing one right, and then there's Dallas Goddard pinballing off of three people on a mid- that was on, on a really great screen. Everybody yep. talks about the pinballing, but that was an excellent screen. Well, the Bears came in ranked 26th against the screen. And what do they run? The second play of the game? Yep. Screen pass. <laughs> and they got 30 yards or 20-some yards down the sideline. Right. And they had a couple other ones. They almost had another big one. They running back ran inside instead of outside. But they did a great job of dumping them out there. And everybody was making plays. I mean, I probably counted, I think I want to say, seven or eight catches that were highlight reels type mm-hmm. of catches that moved the chains or got a big play, especially toward the end of the game. And then we talked about what they did on that last drive between the tight end, you know, uh, Ertz and the, and the two wide receivers on the outside, especially Tate on that fourth down play. And oh, by the way, Goddard, when he scored, mm-hmm. the Bears only had 10 guys on the field. Mm. Oh, how about that? Because they had a couple yeah, other true. occasions where they it's had 12 yep. guys on the field. Right. Remember the referees actually yes. stopped the game to get because they had before the snap. Which they we've not seen the, before. I've never seen that yeah. in my life. Yeah. Crazy. Is that a new rule? And here's the th- no. And here's the, here's the thing: the Eagles, the Eagles didn't have any penalties, or the, or the Bears had no penalties, zero penalties, until five minutes to go in the third quarter, and that kept the drive alive. That's right. And then the Eagles end up scoring. Right. That was the first penalty against the Bears. Then they had like three of them on that drive, and the Eagles scored. So they didn't have any in the first half. They get it right away. It was it kept the drive alive, and the Eagles, you know, obviously they. They use it to their advantage and uh, score. All right, so interestingly, like last year, right, the Eagles go and they play the number one defense in the league in the playoffs, and that's Minnesota's, and they just completely crap on it, and they win 38-7, to right? And seven seven points mustered by the Vikings, which was their first drive, right? They went up 7 nothing on the, the Rudolph touchdown. They get killed the rest of the way, and somehow Pat Shermer still lands a head coaching job, and he gets the Giants job. Well... As we've just learned in the last few minutes, Vic Fangio's defense totally folds in the final quarter, gives up the uh, touchdown drive to Nick Foles, right? And guess what? He's now been named the yeah, head coach of the Denver Broncos. He still only gave up wow. 16 points plus. Well, technically, he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't out there for field goals, but his defense. But the bottom line just is, just drawing a parallel, my friend. I get no, no, no. But he's he's a great coach. He is a great coach. Um, I still think I was surprised. I think Eddie Jackson not playing had a lot to do with it. Yeah, when they started to hit those passes over the middle, Goddard uh, had Ertz, Jeffrey, as you mentioned, just amazing. I, I, that surprised me, and I think also another big reason and we can't underestimate this enough: not having Trey Burton for the Bears, not having him for matchups killed their offense. Mm-hmm. Killed their offense because Adam Shaheen runs with like shovels on his feet. He can't run. He's yeah. a blocker. He was overdrafted as a second round pick. He's a good blocker, big guy. Doesn't run very well. So you saw that shovel pass. Yep. Dude, you could have moved better than he could have. Yeah, I was thinking the whole game. If I'm Matt Nagy, like Trey Burton's groin better be falling off of his body for him to be missing this <laughs> yeah. game. I, I don't like to question guys' injuries, but I mean, it was like questionable with a groin, really? I, I know. And you know, <laughs> and we went into that game and if uh, by the end of it I said the game is going to be won up front. That's where I thought the game was going to be won, period. And if you look at it, by the second half, the Eagles were basically keeping five guys in the whole time. They didn't even go one-time max protection. They very rarely kept a tight end in. They very rarely kept a running back in the chip. The Peters and that offensive line and Johnson on the right side. and I mean, you just go right, all five of them did a tremendous job. 
you never even heard of the of the Bears rush. I think they got one sack early on. They got one, you know, one pressure. Now a lot of that's because they were in shotgun and Nick did a nice job of dumping the ball off, and the guys did a nice job. But tremendous job of scheming by Doug Peterson and doing tremendous jobs where he was actually containing the rush by his personnel packages, and he was putting four or five guys out in the routes. Right. The Bears in the second half were so worried about the pressure. They had to keep guys in. every time they kept a tight end in or a running back, which obviously played to the benefit of the Eagles' coverage because yep. they weren't on as much man-to-man or single-up coverage. That, and that's why it goes back I, – I go back to saying why I treat the Eagles now like I, I somewhat like last year is that they are doing what it takes to win in, in January. Yep. And that's block with fi- only five – and rush with only four. Now, yes, you'll you'll get a chipper or you'll get a blitz, but predominantly, if that's what you are and you're really good at it, then you have a real you have a chance to beat anybody, anybody, right? This Saints defense is a good defense. It's not as good as Chicago's. It's not. Nope. It's just not. Nope. It's it's a good defense. It's not a great defense. So that's why I kind of see the ball being able to be moved. What, what to me? What's the biggest key here? And the biggest key is not turning the ball over, because I don't know that you can live that way twice in a row. Uh, if you do, then you know you might as well just put the Eagles in the Super Bowl and just say they're going to win it because uh, you know the, what they got away with against the Bears. You, you don't see it happen every day. No, there's no doubt. And the key, and a lot of, besides that, is the fact that when you're facing a team with a rookie quarterback for the first time in the playoffs versus a veteran Super Bowl winning quarterback, it's entirely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's things that a veteran quarterback sees and can do. You know, even look at Nick. You know, not that he is on the same level as Carson, but sometimes he's able to go through his reads a lot differently and deliver the football to different people because of his ability to go back and, and have this recollection of playing a lot longer in the National Football League. And he's able to use that experience. And if you go back and you look at the first game against Drew Brees, First off, he's got the NFL record of like 70, almost 75% completion rate this year. Mm-hmm. But in the first game against the Eagles, 363 yards, four touchdowns, and a near perfect 153.2 passer rating. Right. It's the perfect storm type of game, though. I mean, honestly, yeah. it's, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't say that that's going to happen again or even be close because this is a different Eagles team. No doubt about it. You know, it's They're a healthier team. different team. Exactly right. And they had, I think it was Wentz in there before, and they didn't use, they didn't have Golden Tate to use. I mean, the weapons are back. Was, I don't even, with Sproles, I don't think he was active. Right. So there is a, this is, enti- and the most important thing is I think the upfront five guys for the Eagles on offense are there. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be able to just go a lot of three and outs like they did in that first game against the Saints. So I think that, coupled with the fact of Jim Schwartz and that defense and what they're playing, entirely different matchup. This is an entirely different Eagles team. Do you think this will be a higher scoring game? or, or a? How do you see that? How do you see it? I see this. If the Eagles are going to be successful, they're not getting to a major shootout with them. But I still see this game in the 20s and the 30s on both teams. So you see a higher scoring game? Well, not as high as the first game. Well, the first game was that, was a, that was only high scoring one side, right? <laughs> exactly. If, yeah. you, if you do the total, it's, it was uh, 48 to 7, so 55. 55. That's not like the over under for this game is 50. Right. I, I probably would go over. I'm thinking, I'm, I, I was I'm, thinking the same I'm thing. I'm thinking I'm going to go over, yeah. Yeah, maybe not a lot over, but you know, no, I could see both teams in that You not want to go over? I, I know, uh, I know. Breaking, You're, hashtag. 80, 80 right? I'm, it's at 80. <laughs> no, I do feel like this game- It's a throw ball game, don't you think? Game, yeah, it kind of reminds me of what the Super Bowl- It, it kind of reminds me- I don't, It can't remind me, but I kind of feel like it's going to shape up to be a lot like what the Super Bowl looked like. Two very good quarterbacks, hot, 
yep. you know, Nick Foles on fire. Drew, Drew Brees is basically Brady in a different body, but yep. like same kind of guy. Indoors, great opportunity, playmakers galore on both teams. You know, and, and really the Saints are a little, I don't want to say that they're playmakers galore. They've really got two guys. They have Alvin Kamara and they have Mike Thomas, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. Gin scares me from a, from a, a deep threat, but um, you could have said that the Patriots last year really only had, you know, Gronkowski and Edelman. They were not a, a, a team that's just full and full and full of playmakers, but they have the great quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so I can see this game being whoever has the ball last or whoever makes the one big defensive play in the fourth quarter is the team that's going to win. This is going to be a great game. I don't think it's going to be one of those where, you know, either team gets gets blown out or it's or it's really not as close or, you know, a team's up by 8 or 9 and then pulls away with one last touchdown to make it 15 or 16. So you don't so you don't like the uh, you don't like the plus 8 and a half for the Saints. No, I love the Eagles. I don't get that. Can you explain that, Adam? Explain why the Eagles are an eight-point. Is that does this have to do solely with their first performance? Because Vegas got has to be part of smarter it. than that. It has to be part of it. And I always wonder because I thought the six and a half point line last week was pathetic. I thought uh, my personal line was three and a half for four, mm-hmm. not six and a half for the you know the Bears. I thought the Bears clearly should be favored. This one, I probably would have had a little bit lower, six and a half for seven. Eight's a little bit high, um, but you still think that they keep this within a touchdown? Correct. I absolutely do. I really think this is going to be a close game. I'd be disappointed if it wasn't. What would that say about everything that the Eagles have done over the last seven weeks if they went out to the Superdome and laid an egg? Right? Well, first I mean, of all, and you have that same – first of all, they're, all, they're already galvanized with the ski mask thing like, like the dog mask last mm-hmm. year. But, Oz, you know, you, you, all right, when you were at Pitt or even when you were at the Eagles – there had to be that like, – because the Eagles feel like – some of them feel like they were disrespected that, you know, I heard Jason Peters say that they ran up the score and I'm now – like Jason's big on the hyperbole, so I don't know how much – Doug Peterson also said that he didn't think that they ran up the score. But when you lose to a team by 41 points, there has to be something inside you that you carry with you that, yeah, you're, you already know that it's a playoff game, so it's do or die anyway. But I don't know. Isn't there something that – that makes you remember that moment and there, not want to relive that? There's no doubt. It, it, there is a this motivation factor. There's no doubt that that was – I mean, of course, Doug's not going to come out there. He's not the type of guy that's going to come out and say, we got the score run up on us and, and you know we're going to come out there and it's not going to happen. He's not that – he's not a Buddy Ryan guy. He's not doing right. that, right? Right. So he's going to keep his mouth shut. But behind closed doors, don't think he's not using that for extra motivation during the week. Mm-hmm. Now, how long does that play into it? Probably about ninety seconds, or in time, until you get your head hit one time, or until you get one <laughs> pass knocked down, or until you're facing a third and ten. Right. Then that goes out the door. So right. you know, once the game starts, all that nonsense is is out the door, and now you're feeding off of your play, right? And you're feeding off of your success and and plays that are happening during the game. But leading up to it, and getting yourself motivated, and getting yourself fired up. There's no doubt that it plays into it. All right, I think the best thing to say about the Eagles going into this game, as opposed to last game, is that they are, for this team, fairly healthy. We know Nick's got the ribs going on, and we know Carson is not yet back at practice yet. They're still waiting to clear him on that. But from a running game standpoint, from a secondary standpoint, and from an offensive and defensive line standpoint, all areas where they were hurting. Remember, Nick uh, Lane Johnson was still playing through the MCL. He had missed the Dallas game, right? He came back, I believe, against New Orleans. That was the first Dallas game he missed. They lost. Came back for the New Orleans game, 
and the whole line did not play well, and they lost Jason Kelsey. So it's good that, to me, this is a lot more of an even matchup because they're healthy. And, of course, nobody has concussions, which is always good. They're getting healthier at the right time. This is the key of this offensive line. Magically, 71's uh, quadriceps injury was not a problem. He didn't didn't check out this game, okay? He played, and we also need to mention that, he played about as well as he's played in I don't know how long, months or even a season. Played great. Lane Johnson played his usual self. Brandon Brooks, still very good. Say Malo, I'm told, did miss on the, in the run game. Just had some plays he'd like to have back. Yeah, Kelsey, very solid. Still concerned about their ability. When they run, they're not running well. That, that's a concern of mine. Here's my question as we set up this game. Do they come out throwing or passing? I still think it's, it could be a throw ball game. I'd like to see Josh Adams, who was a non-factor. He played one snap, he had one carry. Right. It's he, amazing because that guy had a 28-yard touchdown run against the Saints. Right? Against the Saints, yeah. and that was the start of the emergence, reemergence of Josh Adams. Right. Over the next few games, they played those division teams. They relied heavily on him, and th- this is just one of the another crazy twists and turns of the 2018 season. Is that by the end of the season, Wendell Smallwood is back, Darren Sprolwood's back, and Adams had gone from uh, from practice squad to third on the pecking order to second to first to second to now back third and and almost invisible. But I actually think that they need him this game. There's no doubt that they need him. And and I feel that they're probably going to come out and try and establish the running game just like they did in that first half. I mean, when you're in a playoff game, here's the key. You want to get into the second half. So, And really, you want to get into the fourth quarter. I mean, yes, you'd like to blow a team out. But when you're on the road and you're playing a playoff game, the chances of you going into the fourth quarter with a three or four touchdown lead is, is, is very slim. So the goal of, of your team and of your philosophy is to get into the fourth quarter. Keep the game close as long as you can and get it into the fourth quarter. And what I mean by that is you saw the Eagles run the ball a lot in the first half against the Bears. They didn't get many yards, but they still ran the ball and they still tried to wind the clock and get it into the se- Because when you're playing on the road, with a hostile crowd, it does give the advantage to the home team. That's why they're usually favored. So in this situation here, I think the Eagles, now they're going to try and do whatever they can to score, of course. But I don't think they want to get into a shootout with the, with the Saints on the road in that dome in the first quarter. If they have to use that in the second half, that's, that's, then they're going to do it. But I think they're going to come out and they're going to be a lot smarter and they're going to play a little bit more conservatively early on that would not be smart. and defensively. That would not be smart. Okay, just remember I said that. I, I, would, I have no problem in mixing the run in. They mm-hmm. should. Don't let it get away from them early. But the, the thing that Nick is on such a roll throwing the football, okay, yeah, did he, make, did he not play as well last week? He had some moments that he'd like to have back. The second pick was bad. But the thing is, their receiver crew, the core and their tight ends are way – this is a deep passing target group. Mm-hmm. They've got the ability to match up pretty well, way better than the first matchup. And Wentz, by the way, was a quarterback. He didn't play well. I would argue maybe he wasn't healthy then. Who knows? Right. Fact of the matter is they have the ability. I, I get what Bill's saying. They have the ability to get in a shootout, like the Super Bowl. I think you, you had said it way earlier in our show here. They have that ability to do that. I would like to see them, though. You, I mentioned Josh Adams. He did well in that first matchup. You could say all you want about they were getting blown out when he did it. Fine. They were in dime or nickel because the Eagles were so far behind. You play, you play defense like that if you're the Saints, but... I would like to see them run it a little bit more. I think that I thought that touchdown was early. If I'm not mistaken, that was an earlier touchdown. It might have been the second on. quarter, but they were yeah. definitely well down already. They're on their way to getting blown out. Right. But at least tried a little bit, but the Eagles rarely have more than two consecutive runs. In fact, 
Well, I, it's I, I it's like of, breaking news when they do that. Yeah, I kind of see I see something in between what both of you guys are saying. I feel like the I've always felt throughout the year when I when I said run the ball more, I, I always couch it as run the ball until you're stable. Run running can make you stable, and when you're stable and everything is right, and you want to open it, reopen it back up to be more 65, 35. I'm cool with that as long as you're showing that you're right. And I think the Eagles have showed over the last three, four weeks, and even going to Chicago and doing it that. They're stable right now. Nick's throwing the ball really well. Yes, he's prone to the occasional pick. You'll, ta- you'll live with it. You'll live with it. He'll make a lot of plays. Um, so I would say in a game like this, you do what's working best. now. I, I, and because I'm not as worried now as I was during the middle of the season that if they don't have a certain commitment or devotion to running the ball X amount of times, then it's going to hurt the quarterback. He's going to get hit. He's going to get hit. He's going to get hit. Nick's not getting hit. I mean, he just went up into Soldier Field but you know and played a very good pass rush, and he only got hit three times. By the way, yes, the line was great. It's still around and he's getting rid two of the ball five. Quickly. Yes, it's around two five, two five three. Right. It's my understanding uh, of snap to release, mm-hmm. which you, is the, the best of his career. When you neg- when you negate, and he was never like that. He was a see it and throw it guy. He's throwing with more anticipation. Mm-hmm. When you get it, you're negating the pass rush. This is what the Eagles told me bothered them about facing Breeze because he gets rid of it so quickly. You can't get there. Mm-hmm. So I'm. Th- there's so many storylines here. Does, could Foles continue this? Could he get the ball out quickly? Could, Bre- could could Peters continue on this track? Will they run the ball? Not stick with it, but mix it in. Get Josh Adams involved. He did well in the first matchup. Dallas Goddard, the new little toy here. He doesn't get the ball enough. When he does, it's a big play. Or it's a physical play. They're so, learning that they don't have to rely on Zach Ertz here as, as much. Alshon Jeffrey is a major factor right now. It goes back to last year. Golden Tate, Golden Tate. I'm going to say mix in the run. So, are you saying that out of ten plays, you like to see seven throws, or eight throws, or six throws? I don't want to see seventy thirty pass. That to me is a little bit. I'd like to see fifty eight to sixty percent pass in the first half. Well, and if, if by a mi- minor miracle, if they have a lead, then it's obviously going to be heavy run. Teams typically are somewhere on sixty sixty three. The good teams in the first half. I. I just want to see. I, Josh Adams to me is way better than people think because I know the cow. I've used this example. The Cowboys told me that he's really talented. Yeah, I remember hearing that. But they don't st- they don't stick with him because it. Doug's issue is like it with Andy. If it looks bad after a couple runs, I'm out. I'm, I'm throwing the football. But how about the second half? Even when they were negative, their running game was so bad. Let's face it, it was terrible. They couldn't do anything, and I don't. They should have abandoned the run. But he still tried at times. That was good. That that's the biggest difference in the second half with the Doug Peterson. The first half we said help. F the run. Mm-hmm. Now, and whatever you want to call balance, everyone has their definition. At least he's willing to do it a little bit. That that I like. As, as everyone knows who listens to me, I don't like the run, but I don't like it when it's so obvious that they know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. They've got you figured out, and then you don't know what to do. That was the problem with Grow and uh, Peterson early when they were struggling. Now I think they're doing a good job. Yeah, and, and against the, I mean, I think I'm kind of saying the same thing because I, I want to, when they come out, they have to be balanced and they have to be not predictable. And, Obviously, early in that little that stretch where they were having problems, they were facing so many first and 15s because they were behind the chains a lot. They were getting penalties a lot on first down. They were getting a lot of holding penalties. There was a lot of offsides penalties. You remember that? Yes. And it seemed like every time that they were backed up in the 10-yard line, 15-yard line, and when you look at the Saints, the first series started at the 15-yard line. They went backwards, and they had to punt the ball, three and out, right? In the second series, they come out, they throw the first play. It's an interception. 
And they're down 14, 21, nothing before you even blink. So now they're trying, you know, they're, it's tough to be not one dimensional because they're trying to play from behind. It's tough to do that on the road again in, in, in the dome. Next series, they go five plays and punt. Next play, they go three and out. And then they finally scored a touchdown. But it was, by that time, it was 21, nothing. Right. So I think on the road, you got to take the, obviously the crowd out of it. And it's going to depend on where you get the football. But, I wouldn't be surprised. Right now, they can do anything they want. I, to me, they've showed that That's what I love. Well, what's more, a, yep. yes, that's what Jeff, I was going to say. Go that ahead. reminds yep. me of last year's mm-hmm. team. Yep. Remember the when we've talked about this a few times. Last year, they only had one 100-yard rushing game, and that was week four against the Chargers. And it didn't matter. And only, right, and only four 100-yard. Right. They were not about one guy, and they were about one guy too much earlier in the year, and they are so much more balanced. You, you you don't even say they have now a running game. You say they have a running committee because all three guys have been involved. And yeah. they have a minor commitment to it. And, Jeff, here's what you and I were talking on the phone when we were driving in. I love their ability now to morph into anything. Shotgun, not shotgun. Because yeah. most of the season, it was center. all shotgun. Right. And then you, you point out in your tape study in recent weeks, they're doing it. This week, I didn't know what they were going to do, which is actually kind of cool because I'm watching them like, wow, they've really studied the Bears' tendencies here. They know, as we said last week, the Bears don't blitz. They're a four-man pressure team. And by the way, what a job they did on Mac. Oh, they did a, Mac was a great run defender in the game, which is odd. Their, their protection scheme and the little the nudge techniques, they did a little bit of shoulder. It's called a nudge technique where they use your shoulder and then Titan goes out for a pass. They did like no double teaming. Like mm-hmm. very I'm talking about having a six lineman. Yeah. Um, or or even when Goddard was out there, you never felt like it was max protect. They didn't do that, Jeff. I don't think they played a max protect scheme no. the entire season right. if it wasn't at the goal right. line. No matter or what. Or a fourth and right. one. So if you're not <laughs> doing it against the Bears, you're sure as hell not doing it against the Saints. Exactly so the Saints, right. the Saints defense and, and the is only, the only problem that I had when I was looking at the game, uh, when you, obviously, you know, if they would have lost, it maybe be differently. But when we were talking about that, at the end of the game, they were on the goal line. And they ran it two straight times when they ran their zone run, and there was nowhere to go. I was surprised. That was surprising to me because yeah. there was no motion. There was no ghost. Yeah. By the yeah, way, that was, was Nick. Nick decided to kill the the pass to to Tate yeah. that scored the touchdown. Those were the calls the first two times, and he killed it. Is that right? He killed it into a run. Yeah. Mm. Listen, I tried to. I want to treat our sponsors all right. Okay? Sure. Oh, yeah. you guys keep interrupting me. I'm trying of, to do this live. My, read. My, blame him. My, my fault. These yeah, Jersey guys. No, it's both you guys. I can't get a word in anymore. Well, you didn't tell us. I know. Did you know? What do we want to run? Hey, I got a sponsorship to read here. Did you? Did you guys know? Jerry, body language. That's right. Did you know every year in the United States there are more than 3.8 million sports-related concussions and that most of these injuries occur in children and young adults? Defend Your Head is leading a revolution in head protection with their soft-shell technology product called ProTech. ProTech is a protective helmet shell made from specialized polyurethane foam that absorbs and dissipates the energy caused by a hit to the ProTech cover. ProTech acts like an airbag, delaying the time of the impact, just like an airbag delays the time of your body and head from hitting the dashboard when a crash occurs. ProTech is scientifically proven to reduce G-force impacts by up to 70%. For more information about the ProTech helmet shell used by Penn State, Temple, and Penn football programs, or to place an order for your ProTech, email info at defendyourhead.com or visit defendyourhead.com. All right, we've uh, taken up a lot of minutes here, so I want to get into really quick, very, very quick fact or fiction. This is like my favorite segment now because you guys really like to kill me on it, all right? Fact or fiction, Superdome is the hardest place to win in the NFL. Fact. Fact. All right. I'm not not saying it's just to say it. I'm going to say fiction. Where? Where, What's what's harder? You ready for this? Yeah. Don't say Kansas City. No. Washington, Atlanta. 
no, oh, no, Atlanta. No, no Kansas City. Kansas City. Arrowhead Arrowhead Stadium. Stadium. No, hell, not. By the way, the Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, yeah, but I think Seattle is tougher than Arrowhead. So, surprise, Norns are Seattle. But let me just ask you. You know why though? Hang on. Six straight playoff losses they've had at home. Chiefs. Uh, I'm, I, I agree with Adam. I don't think I've been to all of them, so I don't. I never felt that Arrowhead. Well, now it's I'm loud as hell. It's it loud is as loud. Hell, but why do they it lose in the playoffs? The Chiefs. Yeah, I've it's never felt the team. It's called the Arrows, not the Indians. I, the I, Indians, not the Arrows. I think Seattle is really is is up there, and I know about the noise. But I would, would I say fact. I, I've been to Superdome. I've been there in a playoff game. I couldn't even hear myself think. I was I was like uh, I'm trying to write my story and so I so because no of the noise level on so okay yeah, I, that's fair I, and I think it's pumped in to be honest with you I'm surprised they haven't because <laughs> I've heard noises that you just don't normally hear in in a in a football game but then again it's New Orleans so you know you never know what's going on there but it, it to me it is the most difficult place to win on the road in the NFL especially okay. in the playoffs fact or fiction the best defense on the field Sunday belongs to the Eagles. Adam. Ooh, that's a great question. The best defense? Yes. Fact. Fact? Un- unequivocally fact. You guys are just... So, that's BS. The, the Saints have I a actually, better defense. No, I'm telling no, you who's going to play better. I'm telling you. I'm guessing the Eagles. I okay. think they're going to improve because the, the corners are going to be better. Now, it, if they come out like I think they'll come out, they're going to test them. Okay. But I just think they're playing at a confident level. However, you mentioned the double moves thing. That scares me. Yeah. That's on tape. Again, best player on the National Football League, Sean Payton. This concerns me. The baptism by fire is over for Vontae Maddox. They, they know it now. That scares me. I just wish they had another veteran corner. They don't have a veteran corner on the roster who could play right yeah. now. Yeah. That's a problem. The other team's got, they've got Marshawn Lattimore, Eli Apple, Von Bell. I'm going to say the Saints have the better defense. I think you guys have got getting caught up a little bit, but that's okay. You're allowed to. Uh, fact or fiction, the Eagles have to score 30 points to win this game. Uh, I'm going to say or fiction. Or more. Really? 30 or more. I, yeah, at I, least 30 I think, points. I think, will it help them? Yes, they don't think they have to. I agree. Oh, I do. I'm going to say fiction. Really? Yes. I think that they can I, I think that they can keep the Saints from scoring 30. I think they can get the Saints into a mid to low 20s, and they can be oh. in a mid to high 20s. I think it's high 20s, low 30s. I think it's a throw ball game. I think there'll be some turnovers. I, I'm a little concerned about Nick with the, the, the interceptions that seem like almost every game, pretty four much, five yeah. last, right? Yeah. But he's a gunslinger talking to players. He's like possessed. He he's got such he's got such confidence in his game. Right. I don't. They, they keep winning the turnover. They lose. Actually, they're losing the turnover battle, but winning, which is another anomaly of this football team. But I think it ends in, in New Orleans, man. Yeah, I think you, it's gonna be tough. You got the wrong. You know, possessed is for those who are inspired by the guy downstairs. Nick's got insp- in a good way. He's but in a good way. Okay? In a good way. Yeah. yeah all right. Yes. All right. That's gonna do it. All right. So let's go to our pr- prediction. You're the only one who thinks that's the Eagles it? have to score in thirty to win. I do. Interesting. Yeah. You know, this thing doesn't go on for three hours. Oz. I'm sorry. No, I, I like the factor fiction. It's you know, it gives me a chance to compete a little bit. Well, by the I'm way, to... we're gonna start off with you on predictions, and you're oh, not getting out of it this gosh. time. All right. I... I, I haven't really thought about the score, but the thing that keeps coming up in my mind right now, I will say this, is um, I do believe the Eagles have a, a, a tough uphill. And keep in mind, I don't even want to jinx us because uh, we're like on a six- or seven-week roll, so I won't mm-hmm. say much right now, but I'm talking about us us three. So uh, I'm thinking i got to go first. Yes. Can I call a 30-second timeout and confer with Adam? You just took a 30-second timeout. Come on, man. Buster. Come on, man. 28-24. <laughs> Eagles. Really? Oh, look at that. Hey, after All his right. pick of the Rams, Jeff, I, how I can know, I doubt this guy? Go ahead. What do you got? No, it's to uh, Ozzy. Uh, I'm going to go Saints 34, mm-hmm. Ozzy's Eagles 27. <laughs> 
All right, so 34-27. 34-27. Yep. I am going to go with the Eagles, 26, and the Saints, 28. Oh, by two. Yep. Now, wait, what was the overall <laughs> under total? Over-under is 50. 50. Oh, so you th- oh, of course you had to go over it to you, so yeah. What did I? Uh, is you, tied four, it. you tied it. 26-24. Yeah. I'm, I'm right at it, right? No. Well, no, what did I say? 28-26. No, yeah, yeah, it's 54. Yeah, 54. Yeah, yeah I'm going to take the over. Of course. Over. Je- all Jeff does is goes over. That's, That's all I do is take the over. So, yes. the, so it's the, Saints, the Saints are scoring 28. Yes. And the Birds are scoring? 26. Got it. So it's a, the Eagles cover, but they don't. it goes over. Again. All right. I need to end this podcast before we all have Go to repeat ahead. our predictions. For <laughs> No, that's going to be it. We will uh, thank everybody. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks to Go Birds and WIP, and we'll catch everybody again next week. Uh-huh.